you know, we have to protect our product. We have to protect our stuff because we're not in the best neighborhood. And lo and behold, within a couple of months, we were training up a, a, a working dog for them. And that dog became not only the family pet of the owners of this shop, of this medical marijuana shop, but also became the protection dog for their, for their shop. And he patrolled. Welcome to Far North Toker. This is episode 121, January 13th, 2019, with your host, Ned Toker. Thank you all for listening. Beautiful crossover episode for you today. Invited a 10-year pro podcaster onto the show. His focus is dog training. Been looking a lot at this. How can we involve dogs in the canna industry? He's already been doing it. Not yet in Alaska. But he has worked with medical dispensaries in Colorado, trains dogs here in Alaska, mushes, killer podcast, trains, and during the summer, travels around the United States, hits rock festivals, and roller coasters. Very fun show today. Any other podcasters out there, highly recommend doing some crossovers. Robert Ford of DogWorks Radio. Hello. Good afternoon, Robert. Hi, how are you? Welcome to Far North Tokers. I'm Robert Forto of DogWorks Radio. Yes. This is fun. Uh, a, another crossover with a quality Alaskan podcast. Looking forward to it. A lot of people talk about that they have a podcast. Do you have some definition in your mind? You've been doing it a long time, haven't you? You know, I started podcasting almost 10 years ago, January 2009. We started off doing it in our dog training center. It was just a mic and a computer, and lo and behold, here we are 10 years later, and we're on the local radio and podcasting all over the place. How did you... Hmm, let me... I want to take this slow, because I love this part of the creativity of what you guys had. Almost 10 years. Well, actually, it's coming up on 10 years. When's your anniversary? Uh, the 31st of January, so wow. a couple weeks from now. Have anything big planned? Same old, same old. Same old. You guys just chug. You guys are just constantly going. What Was it even called a podcast 10 years ago? It was called a podcast. Uh, there was a guy that was lo working for a local AM radio channel there in Denver, and he thought it would be cool to branch out and charge people 500 bucks an episode to host a podcast. And we were gullible enough to sign up for his service then. We worked with him. Uh, let's see, that was in January. We worked through him with him through about June. So I don't know, maybe three or four thousand dollars later till we figured out how to do it ourselves. Went down to the local guitar center, bought some mics and a small mixing board and started on our own. Oh, wow. That's the ability to uh, being able to see someone do something. You're being charged something and you're just like, you know what? I, I can do that myself. I got this. Right. Doesn't sound like Dog Works Radio was your idea. Someone came to you and said, do you want to do this or how did that even happen? You know, it was our idea, but at the time, we didn't really know what a podcast was. We had been on uh, local radio a lot. I guess it was more of a bi-weekly dog training segment on a local AM channel. That's when everybody still listened to the radio in their cars. So we were on there talking about dog training and, you know, the importance of, of training your dog to, you know, to be a successful dog owner. One thing led to another, and we thought, man, we could harness this ourselves there's no reason to to uh, pay somebody else to do it, you know, pay for advertising on the radio or the, you know, the the TV channels that are way down there that nobody ever watches. And, and we just thought of a way that we had to market ourselves. And and that's the way we did it. I, I love it. I, I'm talking to so many people recently who just do it. Oh, man, I love you guys. I love the people that are just doing it. Thank you. What an inspiration. Yeah. Dog Works Radio. This is not your main thing then. Your main operation is dog training, and then this is just kind of education? We do a little bit of everything, as you probably know by following us on social media. We do right. dog training. We're beekeepers. Uh, uh, we're dog mushers. We are just all over the place. And, you know, when you're self-employed, you, you got to take the bull by the horns. Otherwise, you're going to be eating top ramen. So we got to figure out a way to keep the money in the bank. So the only way to do that is to go out there and, and just just go after it and if you don't stay active as being self-employed 
people forget about you, it just goes away. You got to be keep going, right? It's constantly chugging. Constantly chugging. That has got to be one of the reasons your your soul loves roller coasters, and we'll talk about that at the end. But just keep on chugging, oh, yeah. huh? The ride. That's right. You keep on saying we, and I can't let this go without talking about the husband wife team. How does yes. that get going? What? How much of it is her? How much of it is you? How, when did you did you guys come together wanting to do this from the beginning? How did how did it happen? You know, that's an interesting story. At the time, I was operating our dog training center in Denver. It's just me and another guy. And she was coming in on the weekends and helping out with, you know, puppy classes and that sort of thing. And the kids were pretty young then. And, and I remember sitting down with her. Her name's Michelle. And I said, Michelle, if you want to do this, you got to show me that you have what it takes. Now, think about talking to your wife this way. I said, you got to show me what it, what, if you have what it takes. I said, if you want to do this, you can quit your job and do this full time. And at the time, she was working for a big time uh, law firm in a high rise in downtown Denver. They were doing uh, airplane law litigation, that sort of stuff. She was a paralegal and she left that job to work with us at uh, at the time. It was called Denver Dog Works. And she left that career behind. And she and I have been doing it pretty much as partners since that day and and right now it's it's really just her and I that are that are uh, keeping the, the ship afloat my wife has come on twice maybe she's appeared three times and it's it it's fun when she comes on we we really have a good time and you guys get to do it all the time that's great it, it is fun. You know, when we first started out, uh, she was a little hesitant to go on the radio and people started, you know, chiming in and they say they, say they love our give and take, our, our back and forth. You know, we, we argue on the air sometimes about, uh, you know, dog training philosophies or whatever. And it's just fun to have that black and white on, on a podcast. It is so, it's so hard sometimes to host a podcast where you're by yourself and you're just talking to a computer screen or you know, looking into the abyss while you're talking into your mic, it's so much easier to have a co-host. Yeah, and conflict is what makes it interesting. That's why you want to hear a story. It is. What brought you to Alaska? Dog mushing. We were living in the mountains of uh, Colorado, about an hour outside of Denver, and we would have to drive six hours. And, and when you think of Denver and you think of Colorado, you think snow everywhere, but that's not necessarily the case. You, there's really only snow in the big ski resorts area. And we were living on the other side of the mountains from Aspen and Vail and Breckenridge and all those areas. So we would have to pack up our dogs and all of our little kids and throw them in the truck and drive all the way down to Denver, then all the way back up the other side. So we were on the road for six hours to to run our sled dogs two or three hours, and it was just monotonous. So we decided, hey, let's move to Alaska. And, and I tell you what, that's a story in of itself. But uh, yeah, literally, we packed up the U-Haul and moved up here in 2010. It didn't last long once you started being around dogs a lot, huh? I, I've been a dog musher since 94, wow. but I got out of it for a while and, you know, had, the kids were born and you know how it goes with that. Sure. And we got back into it in, I guess, 2007, 2008 or so. And within a couple of years, that uh, that Iditarod bug was, was chiming in my ear. And I thought, if I'm ever going to run that race, I got to get up here and do it. Mm, what was... What was your first dog? My first dog was actually a pair of dogs. Their name were Rutger and Reich, and uh, they came from a kennel in Georgia. I was in college at the time, and I jumped in a Datsun 280Z and drove nonstop from Portland, Oregon to the mountains of Georgia, and a lady was selling sled dogs, and I didn't know anything about sled dogs at the time, and they said, do you want to go for a ride on a, on a kind of a cart dog sled looking thing? And I said, sure. And I jumped on that cart and I took off through the woods and I was hooked. I, I put two little pups in a little Datsun 280Z, drove back to Portland, and pretty much that's where it all began. Wow. Were, were those your first, were those the first dogs you owned or the first dogs even in your family or you were ever around? That was the first dogs I owned as an adult. In 94, I guess I was 23 years old. So, yeah, that, and I was in college. I was a broke college student. So, yeah, that was the first ones I ever owned. And you've been around dogs your whole life since you were born? That's all you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had, we had a dog in, in the house at, as long as I can remember. Did you have cats? 
I did have cats, and what's interesting is when I moved out, somehow I became highly allergic to cats, and now when I go visit my mom, I have to stay in a hotel. I just, I just can't, wow. <laughs> I can't even stand it. I, you know, hey, mom, how's it going? Meet me at the hotel, and you know, we'll go out for dinner. You have gone to a truly dog versus cat type of person, huh? You're just like, I can't even be around it. I have, yeah. How many dogs do you have now? We have 43 sled dogs. Wow. You have neighbors close? Uh, we live in a mushing neighborhood. I think we have eight or nine houses and probably 300 dogs here in the neighborhood. Yeah, we do too. And to hear them, it's, I enjoy hearing the dogs out late at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's fun to hear them, uh, hear them singing in the middle of the night. Do you, have, do you have a favorite book about dogs that anywhere along your historical timeline that you just got hooked into? Like, I'm, I'm feeling Call of the Wild with you coming up north and mushing in that kind of world. But You know, that, that's an interesting question. I'm sitting here in, in my office, and I'm looking at the bookshelf, and we probably have 200 books. And quite of them are, are, are about dogs, and one of them right off the top there is Jack London. But another one is, and I, this is a real dog nerd book, but it's called Cognitive Behavior of the Canine. And that was kind of an instrumental book for me and in, in getting involved with, with dog training and kind of that scientific approach to it. And I think that's sort of the go-to reference. You like the, uh, the dog whisperer dude on TV with his... You know, <laughs> another, another good question there. When we were in Denver, that was sort of the height of that TV dog training boom with Caesar Milan was on TV Mm -hmm. and and Animal Planet was just huge and and uh, people would come into our shop and they say hey I saw Caesar do this with his dog last night on TV can you do it as well you know and can you do it in one lesson and can you do it for a hundred bucks and we would sadly have to turn them away and say not everything you see on TV is is possible in 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 one lesson (laughs) (laughs) do you watch his show seen it in a long time i don't even know if it's still on yeah, the air i used be. to watch it all the time yeah, yeah we get reruns so that's probably where we're seeing it get catch it here and there it's funny right right china cannabis north pole cannabis dispensary 1725 richardson highway between north pole and fairbanks right before the badger road exit you're gonna love this place convenient access right off the highway Special in-house strains, fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles, mmm, concentrates by good cannabis, good titrations, edibles by AK Frost, and the good cannabis gummies. Head on over to China Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis. Your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Having your timeline being 2009 in Denver, you had to, you were living around legal medical cannabis at the time. Yes, yes. And it's interesting if you want to jump into that yeah, right away. Of course, we're, we're a, a cannabis show here, so we might as well start talking about yeah. it. It's, really, it's a really cool story. Our dog training center was in a strip mall, and get this, and you're going to think I'm making this up, but we were next to a Russian bathhouse, and I think it was run by the Russian mob, and then right next door, uh, just a couple of months after we opened, they opened up a, uh, a medical marijuana dispensary. It was really when that industry first got its start, and they opened up next door, and I can remember talking to Michelle and, and thinking, you know, because nobody knew anything about this at this time. And we thought, wow, how is this going to affect our business? And, you know, should we be concerned about the people that come and go and all of this sort of stuff? And I remember just after a couple of weeks, all of a sudden they had an armed guard out front that was kind of patrolling the parking lot. And he was dressed full out. I mean, he looked like a dude in the SWAT group, you know, with the with the bulletproof vest and all black and, you know, the the gun and all of that. And we thought, wow. This is serious. 
And uh, I remember going over and talking to the owners. Uh, we knocked on his back door of the uh, of the uh, of the shop, and we said, "Hey, you know, my name is Robert. This is Michelle, and we would love to do some business with you. What kind of security do you have besides this guy?" And he said, "You know, we have to protect our product. We have to protect our stuff because we're not in the best neighborhood." And lo and behold, within a couple of months, we were training up a, a, a working dog for them, and. That dog became not only the family pet of the owners of this shop, of this medical marijuana shop, but also became the protection dog for their, for their shop. And he patrolled the shop at night. Of course, you can't have armed security all the time. There goes all of your profits if you have this dude out there, uh, you know, cruising the parking lot all the time. And, and uh, that sort of became our M.O. To, to jump into the medical marijuana business by providing this service to these cannabis shops in providing facility dogs for protection. And, and it's turned out great. Oh, man. I, it feels like I've just stumbled on gold, Robert. It is. It is. I know you and I have been talking about this for a long time. I know you wanted to talk about this, and that's sort of the basis for the show, I'm sure, but right. it, it has to be done. You know, here in, in Anchorage, and I'm not sure how it is up in Fairbanks, but there are shops popping up all over the place, and I'm just concerned about how they're protecting themselves because, you know, not the best people have the best intentions all the time, and while you want to protect your business and your assets, a lot of times you can't do it on your own. No. And has any business reached out to you at this point in Alaska to train dogs for their... Two of them did. One of them was right when they were first getting started. Uh, what was that? Uh, two or three years ago when they were doing the permitting process and all that. And I remember the guy called us up and he had a little American bulldog, you know, one of the little bulldogs like you would see, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the ones that they have for the Marine Corps, just a little dog that wouldn't be a very good protection dog. And we started training him, and he eventually kind of flaked out because the dog just couldn't do anything. But it's still really an untapped industry here in Alaska because I still think a lot of these folks aren't quite sure what to expect in terms of, of, of what a dog can do for them, You know, what types of services that that dog can offer them. They think, oh, yeah, protection dog to protect the, to protect the person or the family. But I tell you what, if somebody's breaking into your place at four o'clock in the morning and you're not at your shop, you want a deterrent. And, and that burglar alarm or whatever you have is not going to be the best case scenario. Oh, no. Someone sticking their head through any opening they make and some dog latching on is going. Uh, anyone behind that person who gets bit is not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to think twice about going into that shop again, whether it's a you know, a, a marijuana shop or, you know, a car stereo store or, you know, a convenience store, whatever it is, this type of dog is, uh, is, is, is literally gold. And, you know, how I got started with this is my mentor when I, the person I bought our shop from in Denver, this is old school dog trainer. I'm talking 1970s. He would take uh, an old panel truck and he would have, uh, you know, kind of like a dog truck for folks that are familiar with that, I'm sure, up here in Alaska. But it was an old panel truck. And what he would do is he would deliver these badass dogs to junkyards and, you know, that sort of, you know, uh, car repair places and that sort of stuff that had, you know, fenced in yards that they wanted to protect. And he would deliver them every night to these places and then pick them up every morning. And he would just walk around, you know drive around with a with a truckload of badass dogs that he would deliver to these places and it was sort of a service to the to the community and and that's how really how i got my start into this sort of niche of our business oh man any hustler brain out there right now is just <laughs> like i got it i got it okay i'm doing this and i got it yeah wow i and i'm so surprised dogs haven't came out i was i was involved in one of the initial applications up here in fairbanks and we were in a a junkyard and it's it's surrounded in a big giant fence and I couldn't I advocated completely to get a dog in there I didn't know much about it but it seems such a great idea to let them loose at night and let them be their own patrol and so much area to run around and use them work right like my initial thing I, I you see movies and the guard dogs in in the business and they throw the stake out there with it loaded do you have these are these dogs trained like not to eat the steak or how how would that work yeah and that's exactly one of the commands that we use and we also train service dogs for 
for folks that, that need them, no matter what the disability is. And it, it's very similar to the same type of training. They have to know, the dog has to know that they're working at that given time. And like a service dog that I'm sure most people are familiar with, if the dog has on their vest, they know it's time to work. And the way that we do our, our uh, executive protection dogs or, or patrol dogs or whatever, is if we put them in harness, they know it's time to work and they know that they're, they're not supposed to take food from strangers or whatever. It's a difficult thing to teach a dog. You know, it, it's called uh, uh, intelligent disobedience is what it's called. And here I go back to my dog nerd stuff. But think about a dog that is working with a blind person and the blind person comes up to a crosswalk. He's pushing to go across the crosswalk and the dog is pulling back and saying, nope, we don't want to go there. There's traffic coming. The light's red. It says don't walk or whatever. So the dog is pulling that person back, telling the person, hey, I'm in control here. We're not going to do it. And that's difficult to teach a dog how to do because dogs are are bred or kind of ingrained by instinct to work for us and with us. And it's very difficult to teach a dog to work and think on their own. And that's one of the most difficult things in any type of dog training is to teach the dog to have a mind of their own. Once they learn whatever behavior you're trying to teach them, do they ever unlearn it? You know, that's a good question. You know, dogs are dogs. They're going to default to all the time, very similar to, to how we are. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. a, a dog's not going to remain perfect all the time. But, you know, if, if a dog is well-trained, especially in a very high caliber working scenario, often they don't revert back. They, they know it, it's time to work. They're focused and they're ready to go. Yeah, I think of every dog that I've ever owned and, you know, we teach them standard stupid circus tricks. They, you know, they, they shake hands and they never forget yeah. that one. It just never goes away. Sit, never goes never away. Never goes away. Like riding a bike, I suppose, for dogs once you get it in there. Right, right. <laughs> Dab Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop. And there's no doubt as to why. High quality, American-made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting at competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm going to let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're going to find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red, Lyrical Sticker. I see a lot of dogs in businesses, can of businesses, like whether they're just hanging out in a grow or they tend to be the, the, the owner's dog that they've had for a long time or some are in dispensary shops and they, they do not look like any kind of working guard dog. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people and even myself over my lifetime, I look at my dog and if someone would come in, my dog would protect me. What are the chances? of your family dog doing that protecting you just a regular old dog yeah just your dog that you think you know your family dog that seems to protect you out in the world i would and i would say slim to none and and most dogs mm -hmm. if, if 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 the dog was laying on the couch right now in your house mm -hmm. and somebody were to break in the front door and steal your television i would bet almost all dogs would walk right out the door with them some of them might do one of those stupid tricks that you were talking about, jump up, grab his leash, and walk out the door with the dog and the leash in his mouth and jump in his truck. And now that's just a dog being a dog. You know, dogs love people. They have no idea if uh, the person who's breaking into your house is there for ill will or not. They're just thinking, hey, somebody's here. They want to see me. I'm going to do these stupid tricks that you were just talking about. I'm going to roll over and play dead and shake hands and do all this other stuff. And they're just going to go with the program. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why dogs are dogs. But when you train a dog to, to work for you and to provide that service for you, there is nothing like it. And I, and I want to go back to that service dog uh, relationship that we have. When you see a person who is disabled in one way or another, and you see what 
services that dog can provide, whether it's opening doors or grabbing the remote control or grabbing a beer from the refrigerator or whatever it is, that dog is now doing a service for that person. That is a relationship that's unlike any other. And it's just such a powerful way in where one species can coexist and work with another that is so powerful. And, and you, you brought up sort of just the dogs roaming around the dispensaries or the grows or whatever. I'm sure that they're perfectly fine dogs. I just don't know if they could protect without given some type of training. And, and I think that's, that's what's lacking in the industry. And, and, I, and I really appreciate you giving me the platform to talk about this today. Because if people were just to think about how important that is to their lifestyle and how easy it could be fixed with a dog like this, I think it would just, I think business would just boom for everybody. I, I look forward to following this along, Robert. Any, anyone that reaches out through the show, I want to know what's going on. I want to follow, hear this because it seems such a great idea and such a great partnership of course of course and and, you know and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know this hardcore mean heart you know it doesn't have to be that dog that everybody thinks of it doesn't have to be the one that's caged up when when the shops open and you know the muzzle and all these things you see on tv release the hounds these can be the same dogs you see right now uh in 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 the shops or in the grows or wherever they they're at right now, whether it be a, it can't be necessarily a golden retriever or a Labrador or a border collie, or even that bulldog we're talking about, but any of the prototypical working dogs, like the German shepherds and the Malinois and the Dobermans and the Rottweilers and all those protection type dogs would be a perfect fit for any of these businesses. Yeah. Even a a small dog that you wouldn't even think that could be trained for a a secondary security measure, correct? Like drop down some thing that you wouldn't want all the time but in this case where we're getting robbed let's let's activate this other thing and just press a button oh of course and you know i I guarantee if you jump over the fence of somebody's backyard and you have a little lap dog this this biting at your ankles you're probably going to jump the neighbor's fence before you jump that one oh oh, yeah i remember running from dogs a lot as little kids and being hit yipped at those things right i've had springer spaniels in my life for a long time and a story that kind of points at what you're talking about, a trained dog versus not. I've never been much of any kind of trainer. Dogs have just been around me and with me. Purebred Springer Spaniel show dog. We didn't use her as that, but she was that. And we happened to be in a hotel in Massachusetts where they were doing this large dog show. Right. And we're walking her out to go to the bathroom and two huge German Shepherds come walking up the sidewalk and our Springer just would bark at any dog she saw going mad after these German Shepherds and their handler looks at them and he's just like those dogs sat down and didn't they didn't even twitch there was just nothing about them and I'm seeing my very stupid dog trying to go after these dogs and they weren't even moving and she she would have been yeah yeah And, and you know it's interesting you talk about the Springer Spaniels those were our family dogs growing up so I'm very familiar with that breed and you know, it is a different type of dog. You know, those are those are are uh, bred for something entirely different than those German Shepherds. They are hunting dogs. They're field dogs, and you know, they have an entirely different personality and mentality. And when, like you said, when you got to that dog show, you saw that uh, that sort of uh, difference in personality right away. And that's that's what makes dogs so special. Right. You see the elite versus the one that maybe could be right. Elite. Right. But they can be elite in their own way. I mean, I guarantee that that right. Springer Spaniel Great family could dog. go chase after, you know, those 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 ducks or geese or whatever and do a fine job compared to that German Shepherd or whatever they were barking at. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She did a, a very good job keeping the rats and snakes away in Pennsylvania. Very good. good. Yeah. Good dog. Yeah. How do people contact you directly for this they want to get a working dog in their cannabis business whether whatever type they have how do they contact you specifically for that real easy alaskadogworks.com alaskadogworks.com perfect the north bowl refinery is here to provide alaska with the finest quality cbd available on the market today They carry a wide range of CBD, oils, tinctures, capsules, edibles, lotion, bath bombs, vape pens, pet tincture, and isolate. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations. Smoking deals in Fairbanks and Kenai, Nature's Relief, Grass Station 49 locations, 
Wishful Things, Chena Hot Springs, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs in Homer and Anchorage, Frost Farm with more locations coming soon. Check them out at thenorthbowlrefinery.com. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. Have you seen CBD being used with pets, dogs at this point? I have, and that, that's a great question. My wife and I were just talking about this other day when we knew we were going to talk to you on the radio. And it's interesting because it seems to be the new fad. And, and we live up here in Willow, so we're not, you know, we're not in the heart of Anchorage, so to speak. But you still see the signs all over, CBD oil sold and, you know, CBD oil for your pets and all of these signs that you see. So it's sort of becoming the next fad. And I think for a lot of folks, they're trying it out to see what works. And just like with any type of supplement, you know, they use it and they think that they see it working. It may be working or it may not be. But in a real life, real world example is what my wife and I were talking about is we have a dog here that comes quite often to our boarding program. And for years, he has been coming to stay with us over holidays and whatnot. And for, for all the time that he's been with us, he has been doped up on Prozac or one of the doggy type, you know, depressants, the drugs that they will give these dogs to calm them down. And often what you will see with these types of drugs is it not only zombifies the dog, but then the dog's drooling all over the self and they're, you know, just kind of a, of a wasted type dog. And now this dog's owner is giving the CBD oil to to this dog. And we're still seeing that calming effect that you would see with the Tramadol or the Prozac or any of those other type of, of sedative type drugs. But you're seeing it using the oil in a much different way. The dog is still calm. But you're not seeing all those side effects. You're not seeing the drooling. You're not seeing the droopy eyes. You're not seeing all this stuff that you would see with these hardcore, uh, almost narcotics that they're giving their dogs. So they, in a real world example, it's working well. But I don't think that people are understanding it enough, at least where we stand today, on the benefits for uses for their dogs. A lot of people are giving as supplements to, to calm them down or for joint pain or, or whatever, the same things that they're doing for humans. But in a real world example, I think it have its benefits. Nice, I, I when you first started talking about it, I didn't think you were gonna go that way. Mentioning CBD as a fad, to me, conjures up the idea that it doesn't work, it's not beneficial. And then you go to a specific example that it, that it is working. I. My dog has issues, Springer Spaniel again, going into the vets, and we've been offered some medication for her anxiety, and we've never done it yet, and we thought maybe we would, but um, do you think CBD would be beneficial for that as well? That's exactly what I'm talking mm. about. This dog that uh, that comes to us is a very anxious dog. It's it's one of those dogs that will, and, and dogs that stay here, are, you know, they sleep in a crate and that sort of thing, otherwise we just have dogs running all over the house, so at night, they sleep in their own crates. And that was a dog that would just sit there and pant and bark and whine 24 hours a day if he didn't have whatever medication he was on at one time or another. And as I mentioned, they, they had him on some pretty hardcore stuff. Tramadol is a, is a, do, a drug that they give to dogs that, to pre-knock them out before they give them the knockout drug for surgery. And for folks that follow dog mushing, that was the drug that uh, that was alleged to be given during Iditarod with Dallas Seavey's dogs here a couple of years ago. So it's a pretty hardcore drug, and, and Prozac is, is just a little bit less of, of a knockout drug than that tramadol. But now with this uh, with the CBD oil, it's a different type a different type of medication for the same thing. And of course, you know this. Your this is your show. You talk about the benefits of of taking cannabis or oil or whatever. Uh, versus something else and, and it seems to work for most people I don't know because I'm not I'm not sick or I'm not ill so I don't take one medication over the other so I can't give you kind of anecdotal advice uh, on whether uh, any of these drugs work uh, you know to, to for cancer or whatever I just don't have that advice for you how is cannabis and CBD breaking that race 
world. How is it coming in there? Are dogs allowed to use CBD that are racing? I don't know. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people are swearing by it, and I haven't... I haven't had a drug test on any of my dogs to say yes or no, but I haven't I haven't given it to any of my dogs because I haven't had a need. If there's a need, I will do it, very similar to any other type of medication. So I'm sure people are using it, but in, in the dog mushing world, drug testing is still in its infancy. And, and I mentioned that uh, story with, with Dallas Evie, and if you follow you know Alaska News, you heard about it. I'm, I don't know exactly where your audience is, but... Uh, but yeah, that that was uh, that was a big time deal with with the uh, with dog sports, very similar to uh, drugs in the Olympics or doping in the Olympics. That was sort of what it was coined as. And I don't know where the CBD oil or any other supplements uh, resulting in the use of cannabis or the oils would come into play with that. There's got to be teams that are using it on their dogs, I would imagine. Got to be. I'm sure there is. Yeah, a huge race that's happening right now as we speak is the Copper Basin 300. They say that's the toughest dog sledding race in Alaska outside of the Iditarod, and, I, and I'm sure that there are dogs going down the trail that that are uh, that are using that uh, that oil for one reason or another. And at this point, it's not even not regulated at all in racing. It's just not even talked about. As far as I know, and, and, and I, don't quote me on mm-hmm. that, but as far as I know, I don't think it is. But I could be wrong. Hey, good doers of Alaska. Tom with Good Cannabis here. Just want to give you an update on the sales this week. Sunday, January 13th, all good gummies, $35. That's 10 5 milligram pieces per pack. Monday, January 14th, all good concentrates, wax, shatter, crumble, and batter, 30% off. Tuesday, January 15th, 2 grams Durban Poison, $24. Wednesday, January 16th, all good coconut oil, $27. That's 10 5 milligram doses. Thursday, January 17th, all good half ounces are $150. Friday, January 18th, all good eighths, $45. Saturday, January 19th, good king rolls are $12. And Sunday, January 20th, all good vape cartridges will be $45. Also, just want to let everybody know that our half gram joints are back. We have the 707 headband in a two pack. More to come this week. Once again, we'd like to thank Midtoker for the opportunity to give everybody a quick update on what's going on at Good Cannabis. We hope to see you down at the shop. Take care. Stay warm, Alaska. And Far North Tokers would like to thank Good Cannabis for sponsoring the podcast. Friday and Saturday, 10 to 11. Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 10. 356 Old Steese Highway, Fairbanks, Alaska. 907-452-5463. Good Cannabis. Here's Token. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. You, you were mentioning about crates having your dogs in crates and I'll I'll talk about this and it hits me personally I grew up with dogs not being in crates our dog that we own now is in a crate because I just I had someone gave me advice to have him in a crate and I don't like it personally but it seems to be the best for the dog right and can you talk a little bit about that there's there's a lot of dogs that just sleep out in the world and some people say from the crate, it's their cave, and then the house becomes their bigger cave. Or uh, you're keeping all your dogs in crates. Could you speak to a little bit about that? Sure. I, I think it's a, a great tool for teaching your dog proper manners, proper routine. We introduce dogs to the crate as puppies uh, to teach them that routine, so they know that they're going to eat at six o'clock. They they go out to relieve themselves or go play or whatever and then they come in at eight o'clock and they know it's bedtime whatever Mm -hmm. time that is and we teach them that the that the crate is is their spot and they learn to to treat it as such and every dog that we've ever worked with that we brought up as pups is particularly in the working dog world is it is their spot and it and we like to akin it to your bedroom. You're not going to hang out there 24 hours a day, but it has its purpose. You're going to go up there and you're going to 
lay down in your bed and you're going to go to sleep. And that's the way that we treat that crate is it is your spot to get away from it all, to relax, to be in your own little in your own little world and nobody's going to bother you. And it just works out great, not only for, for the dogs, but for the humans as well. I'm afraid about how deep this question or this answer could get to this next question because, yeah, I'm thinking about the answers already. But <laughs> okay. do you use your – does the crate ever – get used as punishment we try not to mm. and that's a great question uh we we try to make it positive even if we're and you know you've been a dog owner your entire life there are times that we get pissed yeah. off at our dogs oh, yeah. and whether you're a dog trainer or a dog <laughs> owner there are times where you get mad at your dogs and we may be pissed off at the world at the dog but we still try to make it a positive experience so even if they just tore up our $300 Air Jordans or whatever we have that's our prized possession. We're still pissed about him tearing up the Air Jordans, but we're still going to put him in the crate in a positive way so he knows that it's still his spot, even though that we're just fuming inside. When's the last time you got angry with any of your dogs? Oh, goodness sakes. I, I get I get angry all the time, but you know that it, it's funny you ask that because when you're working with anybody or anything all day long, you're going to get you're going to have your tiffs. And I know you talked about that when we talked about having that conflict on our show, the husband and wife conflict. You can get mad, but you got to be able to forgive. And that's sort of that that lesson that we learn as kids, isn't it? That you know, never go away mad. And I think that's the important part. Uh, there's no reason to be mad at your dog, your spouse, or whatever all the time. You're just going to live in a miserable existence. Yeah, because dogs have no memory of being mad at you yesterday. or Right? They, they don't remember. They're happy. They don't. Yeah, they don't care. If they tore up those Air Jordans 15 minutes ago, they're going to be your buddy five minutes from now. I love comedians, and I hear he talks about being a dog owner and being trained and talking about your mentality, your your aura that you have. Being around your dog, if you're angry all the time, your dog is going to be angry all the time, and it's just trying to make you happy and just being, okay, what right. are we mad at? What are we supposed to be mad at? I'm mad at this. I'm One of my favorites, Bill Burr. I didn't realize that dogs feed off your vibes. Like if you're chilling, they're chilling. You know, if you're sleeping, they're sleeping. But if you're a psycho like me and you're screaming at the ref on TV being like, dude, you got to be fucking kidding me. I didn't realize the dog was over in the corner being like, yeah, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> this is bullshit. I don't know what this guy's mad at, but I love this guy. This guy feeds me. Is it the door? Are you mad at the door? Do you find, I know a lot of cannabis smokers are, well, that's so stereotypical, but tend to be calmer. And they seem right. to have a lot of chill dogs. And a lot of those cool dogs that just walk around with people and they sit outside and wait outside the shop for them. And I've always wanted that dog. It, 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 it all goes back to the owner's personality. We will see whether we're in, you know, a, a, uh, a dog owner relationship, you know, just the typical pet dog with their owner or even a dog musher that has a team of 16 dogs. If the person is frantic, if the person is manic and they're just running around, you know, constantly talking and pulling their hair out of their head and, you know, just constantly gibbering, the dog is going to react to that, very similar to how your kids will. And, and the dogs feed off of that energy. I tell people all the time that that energy flows right down the leash. So if you're, if you're tense, if you're yanking and cranking on the dog, the dog is going to feel that and going to react to that. And if you're chill, and you talked about the cannabis smokers being chill all the time, and they have the chill dogs, that's the personality. If you're chill, your dog is going to be chill. Now, there are exceptions. If you have, you know, a, a, a freaking crazy border collie that's <laughs> bouncing off the walls over the tennis ball, that's a different deal. But if you're chill, by and large, if you're chill, your dog will be chill too. Right, and normally the chill person is not going to choose that crazy frisbee border dog collie. No. Yeah, yeah they're going to choose. They're going to choose like a a Newfoundland or something that dev doesn't ever move. They'll just get on the couch at eight o'clock in the morning and just sit there and drool until they go to bed at night. Yeah, just be your buddy, hang out. Right. Do you know much about the direction DEA sniffer dog has gone in legal states? You know, I, I started looking into that when you talked about that, and I don't know a lot about it. I think that the that the tactical dogs that police departments use uh, do a great job what, in whatever capacity, whether they're, you know, they're sniffing out drugs, you know, illegal drugs, whatever that may be, 
or, or tracking people down or whatever. I think that those are highly trained dogs that have a purpose, but I don't know what their role is in states like Alaska or Colorado or Washington or, or the other states, Oregon now that are, that are now uh, have, have legal cannabis. I don't know what roles they're playing. And I don't know what happens if a person is found in possession of a large amount of, of uh, marijuana or whatever by the use of one of these dogs. Maybe you could enlighten me a little bit so I could pass it along to my clients. I just don't know what roles those dogs are, are, are being used for uh, in the states that it's now legal. Far as my belief goes, I believe they were being retired and either sent to other states or... Yeah, I'll, I'll have to do some looking into that as well. There would be no purpose for them finding it in the way canine units were used as like that secondary search on the drug war. Right. It, bear in mind, a lot of times the dogs are, are multi-purpose. So the dog may be a tracking dog as well as a, a, a drug dog or, or you know, a, a, a sniffer dog, as hmm. you said. And, and remember that they're not only trained on one substance they may be trained for marijuana and opiates and whatever so those dogs are still probably being utilized in a different capacity because once those dogs are placed and those are 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 real high dollar dogs well up into 20 30 40 thousand dollars for training for those really elite type tactical dogs i don't think that they would just say okay Max, it's time to go. Uh, you know, you're going to go live a happy life doing something else. <laughs> but uh, I would bet that, that, that they're, they're cross-training him into, into doing something else. You, you brought up something that blew my previous perceptions out of the water. This idea that dogs can, for my whole life, I've thought that dogs can only be trained on one scent. Right. And people would say, oh, that's that's trained on cocaine. It can't smell your pot. Or that one's a explosives dog. It's not going to be a drug dog. How far is that arena of sense that can they be trained on? Or you obviously say it's not just one. So how how wide a range can it, can they focus? A great example. In the regular pet dog training world, and, and I'm sure most people that are listening, that is who they are. There's a program out there called Nose Work. And nose work is designed as a program to teach your dogs to, to ferret out scents. And they use a couple of different scents. They use them in the little cans, little, and they hide these cans in, in different articles, depending on what level of training they are in. But they use three different scents in those cans. So the dog is learning to differentiate three scents. They use lavender, sandal, sandalwood, and a floral type product as well. One that's kind of a boutique type. So it has more than one scent. Think about a flower pot. So the dogs are scenting off the lavender, sandalwood, and this boutique uh, scent. And they get points by, by differentiating the different scents in the program. So if, the, if just your regular pet dog, we're talking golden retrievers or Labradors or Border Collies or whatever, if they can be trained by the typical dog owner to differentiate three scents and be successful at it to complete a program, just imagine what these hard, hardcore tactical dogs can do, whether it be explosives or marijuana versus cocaine versus opiates versus whatever. I'm sure, and, and, and I'm not a uh, uh, that type of trainer, so I don't know for sure, but if a pet dog can do it, I'm sure that one of these high-caliber dogs can do it as well. I have sat a few times around a circle passing a J, and one of our fun stories that we always used to talk about was training this dog to go out and find all the underground grows, have a little monkey strapped to his back that would clip off all the buds and he would bring it home to you. Is that? I'm sure it could be done. Oh, that's possible? <laughs> I, I guess that would be possible. You can train dogs to do just about anything. If your imagination goes, I think, I don't know about the monkey. I think the monkey is 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 the variable there. Because then you have to have the little, the little sand, uh, saddle and all this sort of this. I, I'm just picturing this well, in my head as you're talking. it was a long conversation, Robert. <laughs> it is. But as, you're, as they're running through the fields, I guess it could happen if you wanted it to. Mm. Yes, if, if your mind thinks about it, it can do it, right? Of course, yes. What is sort of the state of, uh, of people getting caught up now? Uh, here in Alaska. I know it's still kind of the, 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 the last frontier with that. I mean, we really just started, what was it, last year or year before? Are still people getting harassed 
uh, on traffic stops and that sort of stuff with uh, cannabis in their cars? Or what are people, you know, it's just not my, that's, not it's my dropped world, off, so I don't Robert. know. It's really, we have this thing up in our uh, local newspaper, the Daily News Miner, the police blotter. I'm not sure if they do that in Wasilla or Anchorage, but it kind of shows charges of people and what, what happened with them. And right. I trying to pay attention to it and I have not seen a lot of cannabis charges that way. I haven't seen possession charges. The chief of police in Fairbanks says it's not happening. So that's good. It's it's taken off a strategy list of police officers being able to use that smell secondary search. I just eh. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Uh, you know, and we have some catching up to do to states like Colorado and you know, some of the bigger population states, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've talked about this many times on your show, but I think we still have some catching up to do. And I think that we're going to learn, learn as we go. But if we can kind of go back to what we were originally talking about, you still have to have that protection for your facility. And I, I just don't know what people have. I, I don't frequent them enough to know uh, or to look out and see what's going on. But I would have to believe if you're going to invest that kind of money in a business, that uh, security is a top priority. Oh man, Robert, I I totally believe someone's going to listen to this, hear this show, and be contacting you for that specific purpose. I can't I can't wait. It's beautiful how things happen like that. We, we look forward to it. And, and just to just to let your listeners know, we work with a high caliber German Shepherd breeder in Colorado, and she imports her dogs from the Czech Republic. And these dogs are awesome. My daughter has one. He's now 11 years old, and we taught him, uh, he was our protection demonstration dog when we were doing that back in the day. And, and if you want a dog that is unlike any other you've ever seen, just wait till you see some of these hardcore German shepherds go into action. Those ones you saw in Boston when you mm-hmm. were at the dog show, those were, those were pussycats compared to these type of dogs. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's beautiful to see uh, it what, is. It what is. dogs can do. Is there anything else that before we jump out of cannabis – that my listeners might appreciate that I that I didn't hit on or that I might not know that you are aware of or what's going on? You know, I, I'm sure people listen outside of Alaska. Oh, yeah. And, you know, coming from that perspective of living in a state uh, like Colorado when it first started compared to how it is right now. And, and my, my son still lives in Colorado. So it's interesting to see the progression. And we went back to our old shop. Uh, of course, we're not there anymore, but our old location and that now is just a huge business compared to a little dispensary with bars on the window and the little green cross as a sign. You know, people didn't even uh, uh, advertise back then. It was just that green cross there on, on the sign. And if you didn't know what that meant, you probably just kept driving by. Mm. Now it's like Vegas there. And it's just interesting to see how that develops. I don't know if it'll develop like that here in Alaska, but boy. I think that we're in for a wild ride if, if it is even an inkling of like it is in, in you know, Colorado or, or, or other states where it's very, becoming very popular. Man, I appreciate that, as you say, because you are a non-consumer, correct? Uh, for the most part, yes. Cool, so every, every once in a while. You've seen it go in Colorado and the sky didn't fall. You've, you've seen it from Alaska. I mean, we had medicinal cannabis for a while, but it, we had no access to it. Now that it's legal, it's really becoming normalized. And maybe that's one of the problems that people had with it, you know, in anything that changes, people are afraid the normalization of what they find as a vice or something that shouldn't be done. Right. You know, I think a great analogy to that is is uh, workout places, you know, gyms, that sort of thing there. They open up on every corner. And for whatever reason, they are just as popular, whether there's one in a strip mall or two. And I think that a a cannabis business or a dispensary or whatever model that they have in their state can, if this, if the, if the clientele come, they can support it. And I, I'm a little iffy to, to think that, you know, with, with our, our small population that we can support as many places that we have now, in particular in Anchorage, there's a lot of uh, of shops, I just don't know if, if if our population can withstand like some of the bigger bigger states, like I said, like Colorado right. or Washington or Oregon or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree with you. I don't. I definitely do not. There's there will be a saturation point. I, I don't think we're there yet, 
but I'm I'm a free market guy. I'm I'm happy that more shops yeah. are opening up and hopefully well what happens in that free market theoretically is the best one survive. Yeah, I hope so. And I want to apologize to your listeners if they can hear the dog barking. You're talking to a dog trainer and I, I can't go uh you know, do dog training while I'm on the show with you. So I apologize for that in the background. No, but mine started it, it up adds, too. That's funny. <laughs> it, ad- it adds a little bit of ambiance to your show, I guess. Oh, it sure, it sure does. Yeah, mine just started. And I'm like, oh, okay. Someone's at the door. That is that is one of the, as a segue here, before we jump out again, I got into this survivalist prepper idea of, you know, keeping my family safe. And I started thinking about a security system. And one of my friends is like, man, don't overthink this. Just get a dog. That's right. And I never have to worry. I automatically know when someone's coming down my driveway. I don't need yeah. a camera. My dog barks. I know the difference between that bark and my, my, my wife's coming. It's a beautiful thing that uh, that becomes part of our family that is the security system, at least one piece of it. It works. You know, that, that's why we have them, because they work for us. And I think that's the important information in this show is is is, is find what works and, and roll with it, whether it be podcasting for your business or dogs for your shop or whatever. Find what works and, and you'll be happy with it. Beautiful, Robert. Become a patron of Far North Tokers at patreon.com slash midtoker. Listeners supporting the artist for as little as $2 a month. Patreon helps continue new weekly shows. And now your patronage comes with extra benefits from our sponsors. Chena Cannabis, The North Bowl Refinery, Dab Lab AK, and Moving Free Farms. Thank you to our newest patrons, D.B. Copeland and Barry Dabber. Sarah Grover, Josiah Lockery, Bertie Walter, and Rhonda Howard. And longtime patrons, Marilyn Berglund, Carrie Mullis, Aaron Worthen, Peggy Peters, and Ramlin Ranger. Here's Token Far North Token. Thank you for your expertise in dogs and cannabis. And the wild ride of cannabis and rolling with it jumps right into roller coasters. Oh, yeah. I want to take advantage of your, your more pocket of expertise with roller coasters and finish out on some, some fun rides there. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Yep. So I had Hershey Park and Kings Dominion, Bush Gardens. We would hit Disney World every once in a while. I, I grew up around all the roller coasters. And I I get sick on the spinny rides. Any kind of right. spinny ride that happens, I, I can't handle them. My kids want to go on them. Sorry, kids. I'm, I, I puke. But roller coasters, love them. I've always loved them from as a little kid. And what's your world of roller coasters? I saw you this summer. You're you're going to all the amusement parks across country and things. That's that's awesome. What, tell us about it. Yeah. You know, when the kids grew up and moved out, all of a sudden we had all kinds of time and all kinds of money on our hands <laughs> because the kids moved out. So my wife and I started traveling. And what we do every summer, we call it the Rock and Roller Tour is we, we, we jump on a plane, we land wherever we're going to land. You know, of course, we plan it out throughout the year. And we just go on a road trip and we go to music festivals and theme parks and ride roller coasters and go to rock festivals. And it's just an awesome experience in the middle of the summer. Because as, as a dog musher here in Alaska, our time to play is in the summer. And I tell you what, we went a couple of years ago. We started in Denver. We drove from Denver to Portland, Maine, and then we drove from Portland, Maine down to San Antonio, Texas, and back to Denver. So pretty much in a, a triangle across the United States, over 7,000 miles in a uh, Ford F-150 that we rented through Enterprise. And I tell you what, when we brought that back, I pretty much just handed them the keys and ran out the door because <laughs> I knew they were going to say, how in the world did you put 7,000 miles in a week and a half on my car? But anyway, we get back to the roller coasters. Our goal is on this road trip is to go to as many theme parks as we can. In the last three or four years, I guess we're going into our fourth year of the tour. We're up to 350 roller coasters, and wow. and we never we never go to the same place twice. So we go to you know whether we're going to Kings Dominion or Kings Island or Hershey Park or coney island or whatever we jump on the roller coaster we ride it a couple of times and we we move on to the next and man there's some massive roller coasters that are being built out there how many do you have left oh my god they open up new ones every year so i think 
we'll be going forever. But uh, let's see. Last year we did primarily the the Midwest, so we were going to Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, that area. The year before we were doing kind of the West Coast, so we went uh, California, Colorado, Idaho, Washington, that area. I think this year we're going to hit up Florida. We're going to the podcast movement down there in Orlando. So we'll hit up uh, Walt Disney World and Universal nice. and Busch Gardens. And, you know, uh, Florida is the theme park capital of the world. So I think we'll get in quite a few coasters when we're down there for the podcast conference. How many shirts do you own of I Survived, like the Super Duper Looper or... <laughs> you know, my wife buys all those. Nice. Uh, she she also buys the the concert shirts at every place we go. I oh, yeah. I think I've seen four, Foo Fighters four or five times in the last four or five years, and I think she buys the concert shirts. And you know, thinking back, going back to the to the eighties and nineties when when kids would wear those concert shirts everywhere. Now my wife just has you know a closet full of those that she wears when we're working down in the kennel. But yeah, I, I'm not one that buys many of those shirts. Otherwise, I would have a bunch of shirts I would never wear. Oh, you have but someone who's doing it for you. Oh yeah, she does it every time, and and you know every day she'll have on a different shirt, and you know she loves it as much as I do. And we love the music festivals as well. We were down in Florida last year uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. We went to uh, the Welcome to Rockville uh, music festival. And I have never been to a, a music festival with that many people. I think there was like 70,000 people mm. in the parking lot of, uh, of the, um, Jacksonville Jaguars NFL teams kind of parking lot. And when you're there with 70,000 people rocking out to the Foo Fighters and, you know, all those types of people, it, it is an amazing experience. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to your show, have been to a rock concert or two and it, it is just so different now uh these rock festivals compared to how they were in the early days man it's like a foodie paradise you can get anything you want there uh compared to how it was you know in the 80s where you're eating corn dogs and, right. and pop now you can go for gourmet barbecue and wraps and sandwiches and all sorts of stuff it, it, it is a a very cool thing to do so yeah each year we're traveling the country jumping on roller coasters and and hitting up rock concerts. My favorite coaster, if you've ever been to Kings Island, you said that uh, you grew is up that Ohio? there in, in Ohio. Yes, My I've favorite coaster of all time is the Beast, and that is there at Kings Island, and that is a massive roller coaster. I think it's about 7,000 feet of coaster, so almost uh, a mile and a half of coaster, and it is it's just an awesome roller coaster. And If you've ever been there, that's the spot. I was there as a little boy, and I remember I remember a corkscrew. Oh, yeah. And I, that's all I remember about that park, and I never saw another corkscrew for a long time. It's probably still there, but you know, one of, one of the best parks in the country there, you'd mentioned Hershey Park. That is a very cool coaster park. Uh, they have lots of cool coasters there in, 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 in your neck of the woods. And, you know, we were at the podcast conference there in oh. Philly last year. and We hit up some of those parks, uh, Hershey Park and Dorney and, and, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. I love Hershey Park. It's a special place in my heart. Every year oh, yeah. I would hit there twice. Yeah, beautiful place. So the best place you're saying is Kings Island for coasters? That's the, where you, well, or that's the best one, best coast. That's the best one. I think my favorite park of all time is Bush Gardens in Williamsburg. <gasps> and yeah, it's just it. an awesome place. Uh, it, it, cool theming. It, it feels like you're in old world Europe because every, every section of the park is kind of the old world. So they have Germany and Switzerland and France. And you go to all these places and, you know, each one of them is themed like the little country. So you can have – so if you're in France, you can have French food. If you're in Germany – you can have German food, and of course, there's roller coasters and everything that's going on with it. So we love to go there and make it an experience because, as you know, living up here in Alaska, we get in that rut. We do the same thing all the time, whether we're just hanging out or going fishing or going hunting or whatever. We miss on a lot. We miss out on a lot of living up here in Alaska, and some people love it, and other people, that, especially that grew up in the lower 48, we crave that adventure sometimes. And often it's that adventure that we can't have up here in Alaska. Right. Yeah. Those things we miss that we came up here for. We came up here for adventure and then we miss some of those things from back home. Of course. Of course. Tones of home.
the rock festivals over oh, yeah. your, you were saying Rockville and that was your favorite one in Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Well, that was one we went to last year. Our biggest. favorite, our favorite one so far has been called louder than life. It's in Louisville, Kentucky. It's just an awesome festival. Of course, a lot of the same bands are at a lot of these same mm-hmm. festivals. So it, it's a lot of times it's where it's held. And right. this one in setting. Louisville, is, it, it's, it's just a setting. It's in a park. It's a beautiful spot along the Ohio River. It's just a cool place to spend the weekend. But, you know, there's there's rock festivals all over the country. And and uh, there's there's lots of good places to see uh, rock shows. You know, right down the road from us in Seattle is an excellent place for music. Uh, whether they're playing in the large arenas like the the CenturyLink Field or the Safeco Field or even just some of those little bars where grunge music grew up, it's such a cool place to go see a show down there in Seattle. Well, that's on my list. Louder Than Life, I'm definitely going to hit that one. I, I love the shows. Hey, if, if you want to go, let's hook up. We'll go together. It's in, it's in uh, last week of September, so if you want to go, we'll go down there together. We have um, every Labor Day weekend – is Dave Matthews Band at the Gorge. Nice, and yeah. we've been, I think we've hit that four times now. Yep. And that's a, we see three shows right in a row, camping out at the Gorge. When you mentioned Kentucky, Louder Than Life, that you, you're hanging out the weekend, I guess you're camping, right? We, we've camped, we've also stayed, we're getting older, we're in our 40s, so camping oh, is, nice. uh, it, it's fun, but it's also nice to have a hotel room every now and then. Oh, it is, I... We we camp out at the gorge. We're in the parking lot. And I feed off that energy to those young kids. And we just took our oldest. Uh, he's 16. We took him down to um, his first gorge show there. And that was fun seeing him hang out there and feeling his energy of seeing the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool spot. I've been, I haven't been down there in a few years, but that's a really cool spot to have a show. Whether Whatever you're having, whether it be a rock show or... You know, Dave Matthews, or they even do, you know, electronic music festivals down there. And I can only imagine the vibe for something like that there. But, uh, you know, that that's that's probably only second to Red Rocks there in Colorado. That's probably my favorite place anywhere in the world to see a music show is at Red Rocks. And I think that uh, with the Gorge being just a short drive, not short drive, but a short flight away from us here in Alaska, that's a great alternative. Right, yeah. I'll, I'll be... I'm pretty sure I'm heading this one too. It'll be third Excellent. year. Excellent. Yeah, so, wow, Robert, I've I've had a blast talking with you. It's great doing these podcast crossovers. Yeah, I love it. I love it. For one, the energy. Oh wow. I need to have I need to have you on my show sometime. It would be great Definitely. to have you have a different different guest for sure. Uh, you know, not only just talking about dogs all the time, for sure. So, yeah, it is my pleasure. I will definitely share it away when uh, you send me over some links and stuff and. I look forward to talking to you and your, your listeners. If they are in need of some of that uh, canine protection at their places, I would be happy to talk to them and help them out. Mm. Thank you again, Robert Fordo from Dog Works Radio. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. Oh,